0: Good morning. Taylor Hymn is here from faith and KC and 41 action news. Uh, it is a weekend morning as I record this and I do not shave on the weekends. So if you're seeing this to so the video version, I apologize for the, the scruffiness. Um, <clears throat> I grew up in a small town in East Texas. If you don't know that about me, and I can't say that I knew a lot of Jewish people growing up in my small town. Uh, I can think of one family that I knew a little bit. I mean, I, I knew the, the the boy went to school with me, and I met his mom and dad and knew his family a little a little bit. But we weren't close friends by any means. Um, so I never really was exposed to Hanukkah, for example, um, or really any part of the of the Jewish faith and Jewish traditions. Um, until I was older and had a had more of an understanding. And I still don't have a, a great understanding of it, not nearly as what I, what I should. This morning, we're talking about Hanukkah. And I know Hanukkah is over as this airs this morning. I hope that uh, if you celebrated that you and your family had a had a happy Hanukkah. Um, but I wanted to talk to Rabbi Doug Alpert from Kansas City, Missouri, a little bit about Hanukkah. This entire episode's not all about Hanukkah. We talk about it a little bit, but... He really provided some insight to me about, um, I guess mindset is the right word um, behind the celebration of Hanukkah and a lot about the Jewish faith altogether. I really enjoyed my conversation with him and I hope you do too. You can leave your comments as always, please, uh, on this Facebook page. Please feel free to share it with other, other people that you know around Facebook. Um, you can find me on social media. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, look me up, and you can email me directly at taylor.hymnis at kshp.com. If you have questions or thoughts about who we should talk to next or uh, things that we didn't talk about here, I always want to hear what you think about these conversations. Uh, But for now, I hope you um, are enjoying your morning, enjoying your holiday season, and uh, please enjoy this conversation.
1: Well, hello, Facebook here, Taylor Hymnis at 41 Action News for another uh, episode of Faith in KC. Glad you're with us uh as we are in the middle of uh the week of Hanukkah right now as I record this and i uh, glad that you're able to take part glad that you've been listening to these series as always thanks so much uh my guest today <laughs> we have an interesting past in this faith in KC conversation so I want to bring him in now this is Rabbi Doug Alpert from Congregation Kol Ami in Kansas City Missouri uh Rabbi thanks so much for taking some time this afternoon I appreciate well, it glad to good to be here so um the rabbi and I have never met in person. Uh, this is actually our first Zoom conversation. But I spoke to Rabbi Alpert uh, as I was kind of preparing notes to, to start this series earlier in the year. Someone suggested him to me. Uh, and so I bothered him, I think, a few months ago and, and picked his brain a little bit about uh, what he thought about um, what this should look like. And now I've been directed back to him today uh, by a previous guest on this series, uh, Rabbi Mark Levent. So I appreciate him taking the time. Um, Rabbi Doug, I'm not going to ask you to spend our entire conversation um, doing a a lesson on Hanukkah. Okay. But as we record this, we're in, we're in the middle of the week of Hanukkah celebration. When this airs next Sunday morning, Hanukkah will will be over. Um, but for those of us are in the audience that are going to listen to this or watch this and don't have a familiarity with Hanukkah, what what should people know about Hanukkah that may not know anything?
2: um well it 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 is not a biblical holiday at least not for us it is uh there are holidays that are more major on the calendar but that said i think there are two aspects to the holiday one is a practical aspect responding to the both the times in which it took place and really has some applicability now and that it it it's a holiday that speaks to jewish identity and and to hold on to our identity and and not assimilate completely into the the majority culture but the other piece is the piece that i think people know about but maybe not fully which is the miracle side of the story the oil that was had enough enough oil to last one day and ended up lasting eight days, and thus the eight days of Hanukkah. There are other reasons that the holiday is an eight-day festival, but there is something about the number eight that's, that's interesting to understand in the context of the holiday, which is when we think of numbers, at least in the Jewish world, seven is a number we can all wrap our arms around seven days of the week. There are a number of references to seven in the Jewish world that are a sign of really wholeness or completeness. But we can we can put our arms around it. Eight is kind of that number beyond the seven. It is what we conjure up in our imagination. It is kind of the magic, both in the holiday and in our lives. And So the, there is a piece of this, I think particularly this year, where we kind of get beyond the world that is to imagine the world that could be and should be.
1: Yeah. Um, again, I, I'm not going to spend our entire talk on, on the history of Hanukkah, but I do want to ask this because my wife asked me this and I, I didn't know <laughs> the answer, but I, I told her uh, earlier today, hey, I'm going to be talking to Rabbi Doug for Faith in KC, what do you want to know? And she said, I've, I've never understood where in the timeline the events of, of Hanukkah fell the the actual when it began where is that in, in history for those that are, are not much of a history buff where where did Hanukkah start in the entire timeline that people may recognize and be more familiar it with? was
2: during the time of the of the Greek Empire after the death of Alexander the Great so okay. you're really looking in the like the second century before the common Era. Second, so we, we instead of saying BC and AD, we say BCE and CE, so before the common air and then CE common air. Okay, so this is before the common air, and when after the death of Alexander the Great and the way the Greek Empire, the kingdoms were being divided up, one was where we were located, and it was at that time, controlled by the Assyrian Greeks. So the issue was one of, of religious freedom. And yeah. that, during that period, it was the Assyrian Greeks who at first there was we were all getting along OK. Then over time, uh, a king, Antiochus IV, started to prohibit Jewish ritual practice and desecrated our temple and things got bad. Thus, we ended up in a guerrilla war. Yeah, uh, with the heroes being the Maccabees and Judah Maccabee, and we won. <laughs> that that's the short that's the short
1: story. <laughs> that's the cliff notes of cliff notes. I like yeah. that. Um, I want to ask you next about it's um, not comparison to, but the the butting up against with the Christmas holiday season. Um, it has become almost a, at least from where I'm standing. I'm I'm a Christian. I've celebrated Christmas my entire life. Almost an, an equivocation, so to speak, of of well, this person's Jewish, so they're celebrating instead of Christmas, they're celebrating Hanukkah. What do you make of of where those two holidays meet now? Is it is it a function of people not understanding exactly where Hanukkah? Or have a, having a better understanding of Christmas than they do of Hanukkah? Where where what do you make of where those? two that that that
2: that Christmas is is part and parcel of the majority culture of majority people, and. Um, my cat is often a guest on Zoom. meetings.
1: <laughs> That's fine. I'm just my dog's sitting at my feet. I'm going. Are you going to yeah. hop up here any minute? That's okay.
2: Yeah. No, he likes Zoom. Um, but, but, and so I mean, I the, the truth is, in, in our country at least, the more people have an awareness of Christmas. It. it kind of permeates culture in yeah. shops and music and all, on, on the radio and TV and all that. So uh, that part's not a surprise that there's this keen awareness of Christmas during this time. And so anything that kind of shows up at this time to conflate the two, it, it, it happens. Yeah. But I think the irony is, is that Hanukkah is really, and at some level, an anti-assimilationist holiday. It, and so when you see us light our, our Hanukkah menorahs, our Hanukkiahs, you know, we are supposed to place them in a way that they can be seen from outside, place them in the windows so people on the outside can see them. And then you get these massive menorahs that um, uh, that will be outside in display and people that there's been one on the plaza for a few years. I don't know if there is this year. In Washington, D.C., they like the big, big Hanukkah menorah, and that is, there's, actually, it's a commandment to publicize the miracle. Yeah. So, in publicizing the miracle, what we're really dealing with is kind of a proclamation of our identity. I'm I'm telling everybody out there, you know, you know that the person who lives here is Jewish.
1: Yeah. Let me ask you about celebrating Hanukkah this year? Obviously, um, every kind of holiday has been different in 2020 as far as how we normally would do it, whether it be right. Fourth of July or Thanksgiving or whatever, uh, it's different than normal. What are some of the the tenets of, of celebrating Hanukkah that have been harder and or impossible because of the, the constraints of the pandemic?
2: I think just simply being in, being together in space, like any, I mean, since the pandemic started, for any of our holidays, it's just it, or just to be together. Period is a, for for us at Kol Ami as a synagogue community. Um, so this year, and and we have for us for our congregation, we've always had a night of Hanukkah. Really, it's usually the same night that we celebrate the Jewish Sabbath, Shabbat. That we come together and everybody brings their own menorah and we light them up in the sanctuary and it has this beautiful glow, and I I read stories and it it's just something that we've fallen into. Um, It was on Zoom this year. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and and i mean it it, it you know look it, it was nice and that it, we, a lot of people had not seen each other in a while even on zoom they got to see each other is it the same as being together in in a sanctuary no it's not it's not the same
1: but i was going to say the the festival of lights doesn't have quite the same effect over over a computer screen i would think
2: not quite but yeah. but, but but you know it's it's all these different faces and boxes on the screen and there's a glow coming from each one of them and uh i i think it's like all of us it's not just for for us in the jewish world that everybody's doing their best to try and stay connected particularly in in faith communities uh until we can't be together again
1: so i want to pivot a little bit to uh the year we've had um, if this is your first faith in KC, you're watching. This is this um, series was born out of our uh, Rebound KC series uh, that our work we're doing at 41 Action News to help people bounce back and to help people try and recover in any sense of the word from what this pandemic has been. What you were just describing there with Hanukkah is a a celebration of non assimilation there and and proudly saying proudly proclaiming. This is who I am, whether it be with a menorah or or what have you. Um when you put that kind of thought process into the the filter of 2020, um you can take a lot from it. Uh do you see this as a as a non-assimilation year, as a year in which we should be more aware of where we can assimilate? Like how do you how do you put that through the filter of this awfulness that we've experienced this year?
2: I, well, a lot of the awfulness, there's the awfulness of just unnecessary death. Sure. Which is the most awful. But there is certainly a polarization and a divisiveness that's going on in our country. And I think the message that can march in tandem with being anti-assimilationist is that it's okay to be different. And that's a message I really like. And I I do I and my congregation, we do a lot of work surrounding social justice issues. Yeah. Black Lives Matter, immigration, worker rights, all sorts of things. And that always seems to come to the fore in in any of that work is that it's okay to be different. And and it's actually a strength and not a weakness, and, and and I think that that piece of it is really important, particularly now. And um, there, the truth is, in the last four years, there's been an increase in anti-Semitic incidents, mm. and vandalism, and attacks, and, um, and 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 so with that reality in place and the rise i mean white supremacy has been around for a long time but it seems to have come out of the shadows in recent years in ways it hasn't before sure and that's that's also scary and i think as as we fight for our own identity and the right to be safe in our own identity um it, we we kind of fight against what I would say are forces of evil.
1: Yeah. Again, I, I can only approach this from my faith background, which is that of Christianity, but there are obvious similarities that I see in there and that um, Christians are about it's okay that we that we're different and that we are called to be different, it says but we also crave congregation and we we crave the ability to gather with other people who believe, what we believe in. Um, have you seen a difference this year? Let's just start with your congregation in in either of those two—that individuality individuality aspect or that need for community aspect. Have you have you noticed um, marked differences in either of those thought processes this, this well, year? Well,
2: we we have always been we've been pretty consistent in, in kind of voicing some opposition while well, we recognize that each, each person is their own gift, and so their individual selves are, are a gift to the greater whole, is, and so long as everybody kind of sees themselves in that light. But yeah. we put a great emphasis on community even before the pandemic. It, it is part and parcel, at least in the Jewish world, it's really who we are. So that part has always been there. And I think there's there's a strain of individualism that has kind of taken shape in the country. And this really is a a piece of the message of the pandemic where people who say, i you know, I'm I'm a free person as an individual, and I have a right not to wear a mask. I have a right to gather in large groups. I, you know you know leave me alone you're infringing on my right well your right is killing other people unnecessarily right you know and we know that we know we know what the science is so we 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 push back you know we give up a little as individuals in order to protect the greater good and the greater whole and and maybe the pandemic has brought those issues more to the fore than they have been previously
1: I mentioned as we started talking that I uh, spoke to Rabbi Albert about um, what this series was going to look like. And I've, I've gone back to my notes. And the, the first thing that I have written here for, for you, and I apologize, it's been a few few months since we first spoke. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> uh, the first thing I have written down here, Jewish theology, not so faith-based, more behavioral-based Can you refresh me on what we were talking about there and what you were suggesting there whenever or if if I've just written down the wrong thing? Tell me that. No,
2: no, that's I think that's fairly accurate. Um, That I mean, look, I mean, it's got to be there's got to be a kernel of faith on some level you're buying into to god and sure, that's yeah. and we and we don't get you know god is a mystery we don't fully know god we just we struggle to apprehend god's will and find ways to connect with god and 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 we teach about really being in partnership with god to create a better world um but but after you kind of get past that initial buy-in it you know the ideas is, is to really focus on how we act and that's really how you know we have commandments in, in our sacred text in our taurus 613 and performing the commandments is how we connect to god and how we connect to each other yeah so i you know when in, in yom kippur when we atone for our sins to be right with God, yeah, we essentially atone to God for sins against God, but if I've committed a sin against another person, yeah. to be right with God, I've got to make amends with that other person. I need to apologize and I need to change my behavior in order that the next time if the situation came up again, I wouldn't do the wrong thing. The next time I'm faced with it, I would do the right thing. So that's right. behavioral, much much more than it is faith.
1: I want to ask you about an idea that you were touching on a little bit in the, a couple of your previous answers there, and it's the idea of, for lack of a better term, weaponized faith, which is not a new thing in the history of the world, in the history of humanity. This It's not a new thing. Um, countless lives have been lost over faith-based battles, um, wherever, wherever your faith stands. Um, but this year, people have... It seems to me, from where I sit, people have chosen to use their faith in a more aggressive manner um, to defend a a mask-wearing situation, a voting situation, a racial situation. Um, do you see? Do you do you see that from where you sit this year? The idea of almost a, aggressive faith to a negative standpoint uh
2: dog dogmatic faith is not new right again i think i think like white supremacy it, it it's become more open than it used to be there seems to be a license you know that it doesn't have to, that sort of thing doesn't have to be in the shadows but it's definitely not new At the same time and i mentioned these you know these different issues of of justice that that i and my congregation work on that often puts us in space with, with Christian clergy and puts me in space with Christian clergy. And we come at it from different theological perspectives. So we're on different paths, but we're heading toward the same goal and, and the recognition that each of our different paths is putting us in, in, together to do this kind of work for a more just world and a just country and state and city. Sure. So so there's that too. So yes, people, I mean, it's like anything, I think you can, you, you can use faith, you can use religion for evil or, but I think you can use it for its most ideal lofty and, and morally upright purpose. I think, you know, I mean, that's why I do what I do because I, I, I believe religion, you know, in general Judaism in particular, has the ability to cause us to do good, to cause us to care about the other people in in our world and and work for a greater good and work and be a part of something greater than ourselves.
1: I mentioned earlier that part of the reason we started this series is because faith is a massive part of so many people's lives, whatever their faith may be. It is a massive, massive part. It's a foundational part of life for many, many people. and we don't talk about it a lot on, on local news. Um, but we started this as with the, the lens of how people are choosing to use their faith background or accepting faith maybe for the first time, looking to faith for the first time, um, to try and recover and try and, and, and bounce back there. Um, what are you seeing in terms of the way people are Either using faith, reapproaching faith, in in that terminology of, listen, I got I got I got to have something here. I'm at my I'm at the end of my rope. I'm thing. I've lost my job. I've lost family members. Do you see people turning to a, a faith type of option, maybe more than they have in in recent years?
2: Uh, either turning more toward it or if they have been a part of it to use it more. Yeah. Um, I, I, again, it, it's, it, part of it is if you're part of a community that will support you in your time of need, you're also part of a community in which you're needed. Yeah. And I think it's, it's that other piece also, during tough times that, you know, if, you know, I, I've, I've got a community, I'm, I'm needed by them, my, which means my life has purpose and meaning.
1: When we, my, this last episode that came out last week, there was a commenter on Facebook. And again, I welcome your comments. If, if you're watching this on Facebook, please uh, leave your comments here. Uh, but there was a commenter that was um, criticizing the idea of us at 41 or me. Um, Pushing faith on someone and I want to make sure it's clear. That's not what this is about. I have no aspirations of converting anyone through these episodes or uh, talking someone into going into a Worship setting that they haven't been to before or haven't been to in a long time So that's not what this is about Um, And to your point about what your congregation there in Kolomi is is doing um, You don't have to be a believer to do some of the things you're describing that your congregation is passionate about, by any means. Um, where does where does that that intersect, though? Of where faith meets action.
2: Well, I think. Well, I mean, it, it it's in the action. I think that kind of engenders a greater sense of, for lack of a better word, faith. Yeah. I. I th- you know, look. I. Th- I think faith. It's not a straight line. It. It. I think it for. For people who, I mean, let me backtrack. I think Judaism welcomes questions. I think we're yeah. all about questions. We don't generally, you know, the, the answers vary. We like, we, we enjoy disagreeing with each other. <laughs> um, we enjoy that a lot. It's actually, it's a, it's a concept. It's argument for the sake of heaven. Okay. It's just now we learn. We have somebody who challenges us and we learn from that. So we don't want to study alone. We want somebody to push back. Um, but it, you know, all, all that uh, it, it, you know, people have different perspectives on God. Now there's a perspectives on God that are outside the boundaries of Jewish thought and theology, but within those boundaries, it's it's fairly broad. And and to understand that that people will waver over time, given their situation, you know, if if they've gone through tragedy in which to them God seems absent, right? The response shouldn't be to kick them out. You know, you you know, I mean, I you know, a dime for a congregant who would come. Every congregant comes up to me and sheepishly says, "You know, I'm really angry with God." So yeah. I said, "Well, you know, look." I said there's some things that are worth getting angry about. Number one, absolutely. Uh, And and I said number two, at least you're still in the relationship, so I'm I'm really I'm really okay with that. And the fact that you're struggling, anybody who's wrestling is is great to me because it means they're thinking about it. Yeah. And, And I, you know, we our 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 faith to the extent we have it doesn't come in leaps. Um. We, you know, we we question all the time
1: yeah i think anyone I, i think anyone in a in a faith community when responding to someone who is not is familiar with the question to your point has argued about the question how can you follow a god that dot 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 um and this year there have been lots of dot dot dots um can you have you had instances this year where where that conversation has come up, maybe even more so than in years past for you, where, look at the world around you, Rabbi, we've got almost 300,000 people have died, we have people riding the streets for race, we have political fights that won't go away, have you, have you seen maybe more of that than what you've seen in, in oh, your
2: I mean, I've I've got i got individual congregants who are struggling more—the financial difficulty or yeah. illness or whatever—and um, you know, we we see ourselves in covenant with God, and within that covenant, the question becomes: What is our obligation on our side of the ledger? And while if somebody's in the middle, if they are enduring suffering, I don't really try and explain God to them in those moments, I think. And in fact, there there is really a tenet of Jewish thought in which you're not supposed to. It's because because, again, we don't dictate feelings, so we don't we don't deny them valid feelings. And, right. and if they to feel that angry. way, it's understandable, and you want to yeah, let yeah. somebody feel that way. If they lost a loved one, you don't say, in our world, you don't say, well, God wanted them, or God took them, or if they'd only right, right. done this, they'd still be alive. You don't justify God's action in that way. Um, so, but in taking... You know, being in a study group and taking, you know, you know, taking out that part of the equation where somebody's actually enduring suffering in that moment and having, uh, you know, so a a, a a step removed conversation about the role God plays or doesn't play in all this, um, you know, as a people who suffered through the Holocaust and the loss of six million Jews, this is a question that comes up a lot. And as long as i've been you know before i was alive and during my entire lifetime and you know i think part of the response has been by what i would call post holocaust jewish theologians is that we maybe take another look on how much of the responsibility falls on us as human beings you know if Proud boys are stabbing people in Washington, then it's human beings stabbing people in Washington. It isn't, it isn't God stabbing people. Right. And if you believe that human beings are imbued with free will, then you know, some you know, there are people who exercise their free will to do harm, right? Not to do good. And right. so it's it's up to us to fight that all the time
1: almost almost easier to blame god in certain instances because it, it i mean it, it feels almost as if like well it's it's not a it's not a human thing and it, it, it feels almost easier to to blame god for letting something bad happen.
2: or or some people so I, the uh, a, a teacher of mine dr ronald bronner he writes a book and he has a section on the old flip wilson line the devil made me do it right so he, what? He, he says in Judaism, we we debunk that theory. We are not allowed to pass off, you know, Blame. our own bad behavior or even somebody else's bad behavior on some outside entity. Right. We have we have to take responsibility for the ills of the world and engage in correcting correcting those ills and you know and and making the world a a, a good place and not a bad place.
1: I want to ask you about um, maybe even a personal question for you uh, in terms of, again, I want to frame this as we're, we're talking about how people are using faith to, to bounce back and to, to rebound from, from low points this year. Um, what have you seen as successful tactics, is there, if there is such a thing, in the use of faith or religion? to recover from something, whether it be the loss of a loved one, especially a a tragic, unexpected one, or um, serious financial downfall for a person, whenever you're at a a low point, what have you seen as successful uses of if there is such a thing of of faith and religion to uh, recover?
2: It's when the, the, that community comes together to support the person who's lost a loved one or is in financial hardship. Yeah. That's really, it's, it, it, you know, it, for, for us, I think for other religions too and other faith communities, it, it is about community and community coming together and seeing the need to support each other.
1: Is, is this year going to leave a permanent mark on um organized religion for lack of a better term you will just 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 with your congregation is this year going to leave a mark other than the the potential obviousness of i don't know when we're going to be able to, to worship in person again i don't know how long you know our congregation will be on zoom with one another can you think of a a mark that will be left other than those kind of things uh,
2: the short answer is, we'll see how we come out of this on the other side. Yeah, but I, you know, I think one possibility is the need will be greater, not lesser, and people may engage more rather than less. Um, I'm I'm not sure yet. I think for for us, I think as I think the institutional side of religion will probably, I think it's already changed. And in fact, my congregation is in a lot of ways is very different in its sense of informality and in its sense of kind of engaging with the broader community. We moved into the central city in Kansas City in order to engage more with the broader community. Yeah. Um, and to be involved on these social justice issues in a, in a very deep and meaningful way. Uh, and that's a piece of it, I think. And, i I think this sense of divisiveness and polarization for those who disdain that sort of uh, hate for diversity and hate for, you know anybody not like them. yeah, I think everybody else will it, it, I think it already has motivated people to come together more strongly. And I think that I think that piece will continue. Post pandemic.
1: I'm aware of the uh <laughs> the vice that is and and sin, for lack of a better word, that is pride sometimes, but I want to ask you this question anyway. Um, you've mentioned how how you and your congregation have been about um kind of being in the middle of things sometimes and, and responding to things uh around you that you feel need to be responded to. What has been what has been your proudest moment as a member of your congregation this this year in the midst of of all this? Mm-hmm. Is there something going, man, I'm really, really proud of the way we did that?
2: Um, It's been more the little stuff, you know, in the times that we've been able to come together, people showed up and just, I mean, maybe pride in the sense that, that I get to be rabbi for this incredible community of caring people. And just kind of, you know, we we had this Hanukkah Shabbat service last Friday night and yeah, I was on Zoom, but to see all the faces on there, I just kind of, at a certain point, I just kind of hung back and just kind of smiled at the whole thing. Yes. Um, you know, I mean, for me, the, the pride and the honor is people let me into their lives and that's a that's a big deal and it's an honored place so that's the it's that little stuff that kind of keeps me going
1: last thing i want to ask you rabbi is the same thing i asked uh rabbi levin in our con- congregation our conversation don't feel like you've got to match him word for word by any means well we'll see each other in the
2: morning by zoom so i'll, I'll find out if i got the right answer or the wrong answer well
1: i, I don't think it's a right or wrong answer so okay <laughs> um what what are you what are you praying for right now, if you don't mind sharing with us? What what's something that uh maybe specific to this week of Hanukkah, the end of the year? What's something that that's part of your prayer right now?
2: Uh d- d- number one, I mean I pray for a lot of things, but health. I mean, we one of the things that we we have done since the pandemic started is we're together every morning now for a short service and a little bit of study.
1: We and, the congregation call yeah. me.
2: Yeah, which we, you know, on a weekday morning, I could not get my people to come together for an eight o'clock service in the same place. But on Zoom, it's doable. I can can do it. (laughs) That'll, That'll stick around after the pandemic's over with. But the last thing I tell everybody before we get on with our days is be healthy. So I think at this point that that seems to be the most prevalent one in judaism we have a concept called pikuach nefesh sanctity of human life and there's nothing more important so that's that that is you know i i pray for a lot of things about injustice for worker rights and for the end of racism and and uh, to take in immigrants and all sorts of things but right now every everybody's health is what i'm praying for
1: Rabbi Doug Albert from Congregation me in Kansas City, Missouri. Rabbi, thank you so much for your time. Happy Hanukkah to you. And, and you. Uh, uh, I, I appreciate the, the words of wisdom that you and your congregation are trying to share with people right now. Thank you. Thank
2: you. you and a, a Merry Christmas to you and yours for the upcoming holiday and season. Thank you, Rabbi.